ready to create and grow the impactful and profitable business you've been dreaming of? It's all possible. A bigger audience, more impact, and a new revenue stream. We'll show you how. I'm Jenny Barcelos. And I'm Sandy Connery. And this is the Soulful MBA Podcast. everyone, and welcome to episode 26 of the Soulful MBA podcast. Today's episode is all about one, the number one, O-N-E. I'm Jenny Barcelos, and I'm joined with my co-host, Sandy Connery. Hey, Sandy. Hi, Jenny. Hi, everybody. And we're going to talk about focus today. So even though the episode is called one, we are calling it one because we really want you to focus on one thing in your business. And we're going to get into a lot of details about why that's important. It's really important for us. We're not always the best at following this advice, but it's the advice we've been doling out lately, including to ourselves and to each other. So we're going to talk about a little bit more about why that's important. Yeah, we have a great guideline, if you will, that we're going to follow that comes from Clay Collins, who is the founder of Lead Pages. And we heard him recently uh, describe this sort of, he calls it laddering up. And he describes this way of running a business that we just absolutely love and found ourselves talking to our community about in little bits and pieces, but he kind of really brought it all together. So we're going to follow his commandments around one, and we're going to add and sort of add our little, little touches to them. Yeah. So we're huge fans of Clay Collins. I've gotten to meet him personally because we participated in their mastermind. When I first started Namastream and knew absolutely nothing about marketing, I felt like once I had launched our beta version of our software, that it was about time that I learned something about marketing. And I somehow stumbled across an opportunity to join Lead Pages as an early adopter and become part of their mastermind. So I would fly to Minneapolis every few months and meet with their team. And I got, I, I don't know, it was, it was a really tremendous opportunity for me that allowed me to, to join forces and connect with, with other folks building businesses online and to really learn maybe more than I was ready to learn at the time. But now it's coming in really handy at the stage of growth that we're in. And so Clay is, is someone who's always been inspiring to me when I've heard him speak He's, a, he's really wise as a business owner. And I think the way he is sort of a principle-driven leader of his software company is something that speaks to me. And so when we heard him, Sandy and I both heard him recently interviewed on a podcast. And I remember I was actually driving back to my little island <laughs> from our live event in Seattle. And I heard this podcast and I like essentially pulled over and was like messaging Sandy and Slack, like, listen to this right now. And I've listened to it a couple of times and taken a bunch of notes. And so this podcast here today is, is a long time in the making. And, and we actually, we're going to write a blog post about it, but we decided to go ahead and just do a full podcast too, because it's, the content is actually so important. Yeah, so important. And people need to hear this and they, including ourselves, we need to hear it over and over <laughs> and over again. I actually am printing these commandments yeah. out and taping them up on my computer. So yeah. that's how important it is. So yeah, I mean, so essentially what we've noticed from running our company is that there's a pretty clear delineation between who succeeds and who fails based on the level of focus that any particular individual or business has. And obviously data is, there's always outliers. There's always exceptions to the rule, but for the most part, the folks who've been most successful on our platform, 
especially the sort of solo preneurs, the people who are an independent teacher, trainer, or coach versus a, a bigger studio, the people who have been successful almost entirely have been the most focused people. So people who are launching one single offer, one offering on the platform, sticking with it, learning what worked, learning what didn't work, iterating, and coming up with a really clear marketing strategy for getting that out to their tribe. Period. We could end the podcast right there on that, <laughs> that note. That is the we're message. Gonna give, we're going to give you, and we, we tell this to our clients all the time. So this has come up and we've been doing live demos lately. This has come up over and over on our demos. Like how many products or courses or membership options do I need to have to before I launch? And we always say one, please do not launch with more than one product. <laughs> that is a recipe for disaster. So Today, we're going to get into that. And, you know, we we recently had someone who launched, I think you said, Sandy, with nine products. <laughs> it's really, yeah. really hard to launch with nine products. If you had a team of like 50 people, maybe, and even then, like your, your team would have to be so large in order to support the marketing efforts of selling nine different things. So anyway, that's just a segue into into like the, the world not to exist in. And we're going to tell you exactly why. So should we launch right into the, the five commandments that Clay talks about? Yeah, let's start with the first one. Okay, so the very first one, let me pull it up, is... He, and he again, talks about these in terms of commandments. And he says, thou shalt have only one business. <laughs> so this is pretty mm -hmm. basic. We break the rule on this ourselves. Um, so, you know, <laughs> do as we True. say, not as we do. <laughs> However, this is really, really important. So having a business, we've talked about this throughout the entire, you know, life of this podcast, I feel like Sandy, having a business is a big deal. It's a lot you have to put a lot in to get results. Like in, in that work is, is sort of the purest sense of you, right? Like when you're building your own business, you have to kind of pour your heart and soul and yourself into it. And when you divide yourself up like that, because you're also dividing yourself up with all of the other things in your life. So you try to have two businesses at the same time. Um, that's just not very smart. So for the most part, it doesn't work. And so especially when you're new to business, you absolutely should only have one business. And you don't try for one month and then not see the success that you want and then launch a second different business. And start something yeah. else. Yeah, there's those serial entrepreneurs who are constantly doing that or grab an idea and like start a business and then get another idea and start another yeah. business. And it's just absolutely asking for yeah, failure. Yeah, it's totally fine so. to do that if you've launched a business, found success, and then sold the business or cashed out or given it over to someone else to run, then you can start a second business. But for the most part, it doesn't it doesn't work to do it yourself at the same time. So, you know, I will just say too, Sandy, we noticed this a lot. We both went through a software entrepreneurship program, which is how we met. So for those of you who are new to the podcast, that was three and three years ago that we met from this program. And it was a very high end business training program that's still around today. And it was designed to teach you how to start a software company. And I would say within the course of the six months of the program itself, the life of the program, I don't know, maybe 50% of our classmates pivoted away from software within the first few months. Like it, it was amazing to me because I think they really wanted to start software companies. So they invested in this huge 
course and 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 degree program essentially like it was a really comprehensive expensive very course. expensive five thousand plus dollar program and that six thousand Canadian yeah and mm-hmm. now it's it's even more and there's different tiers and whatever but I I would say like it was amazing to me to 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 see so many people pivot so quickly once they realized like maybe software wasn't going to work as quickly for them as they wanted, or maybe it was too hard or maybe it wasn't the right fit. And I'm just going to within two months give up. And now I'm going to start an, like a, an Amazon fulfillment business and start manufacturing knives in China. Like what? Or I'll become a coach. Oh, oh, that's also a a common one. I'll become a coach. Right. So, so like that is horrifying to do from a business standpoint. I mean, if you jump into a business and you know, straight away, it's not a good fit, then obviously if you feel like that's coming from some deep part of yourself and you know 100% that this is this is not what you expected or you're not meant for this like that's one thing however i would say that many people are too quick to to jump out of one thing and into the next because you haven't given the first thing a chance so yeah i think i i, I believe for the most part our clients, our followers who are typically in health and wellness, they don't necessarily have the problem with this. They have the problem, the next commandment, but for the most part, they know what they want, that they want to teach their expertise online. So I don't necessarily see them jumping to different businesses quickly, but they do create too many products. And so the second (laughs) commandment is thou shalt have only one offer. Yeah, this one is important. This is, this is what we were referring to or alluding to in the beginning of the podcast today. And I would think maybe, you know, 20% of the people at least who are considering coming onto the platform will send us an email or now ask us in a live, de- live demo in the chat box or in a Q&A box or something, how many products do I need to have to get started or how many courses or how many, should I have a membership and a course first or how many offerings? I mean, this is, sort of on the top of mind of almost every one of our prospective clients. And it's so surprising to me that there's this, I think there's this fear of not being enough. Like maybe that's where this is coming from or. Oh yeah. More more is is better. better. To have more, more choice, more offerings is better, more successful, more higher chance of a sale. If you've got more on your, on your shop. Yeah, It's just actually not true. That's the problem is it's the opposite. So what we've seen, and we have, you know, we have hard data to look at to see who's successful, how much people are making and how many students, different, different clients of ours have in their online studios. And it's, it's very clear to us from the back end of sort of looking at our analytics that the people who have one single offer do the best. And now that can mean if you have a membership, you would have say a monthly version and an annual version and that that I'm, I'm still counting those people as having one product because essentially they're duplicating one product and, and having a separate pricing tier, right? So two prices, two prices yeah. which, which we can get into in a minute, but, but like that still, those people count as one or someone who has, you know, another kind of a program, like a course, and they have a version that's a self-study and then a version that includes coaching with them or private strategy sessions with them or private yoga classes with them or something that also I'm counting personally as one because we have a lot of those kinds of hybrid models on our platform but it's it's you where, where folks have run into trouble is where they're offering like very different like a beginner series and a body after baby series and a backbend series and a headstand tutorial and and nutritional, nutritional consulting, consulting and good 
and Lord, get, <laughs> get to sleep or then an essential oils course. Yeah. And it's just unfocused and it is completely confusing to your consumer. So if they end up on your shop page, they have no idea who you're speaking to. Or they don't know where to start. Um, I mean, that's the other thing that, is it's just like, where do I start? I really found this. Per- I was on Facebook and I came across this health coach and I found her work very compelling. And then I click over to look at her site, her studio and what she has for sale. And I, I cannot tell where I would start from here. And so I think that it's confusing to your prospective students or clients. And it's also, here's the kicker though, right? And this is what we've been, this is not from Clay Collins at all. This is from us. This is what we've been telling our own community and clients for, for a long time, which is that you need to allocate your time about in in the beginning, about 50% of your time is on creating your business, creating your content, setting up your systems. And about 50% of the time from day one is about marketing. And so when you have more than one product to market, it means that you need to divide up that marketing budget. So if you have two products, that marketing budget gets, in terms of time, more than money, but also money, time and money, if you're doing any kind of paid traffic, that marketing budget gets divided up. And that you have nine products, you can see very clearly how you don't have time to, to market any single one of your products adequately. And it's it's a real danger that almost, I see almost every new business owner in on the internet run into because we're so excited, especially when we're first starting out. We're like, we have so, and us, us included Sandy, right? Like you and I are, are mm-hmm. we yeah. can speak about this from <laughs> personal experience. Like we are so excited constantly to be learning and sharing. I love making courses. I was a a professor at a university, <laughs> I, I, it's like in my wheelhouse straight up to make a syllabus and outline slides and teach like that is what I am comfortable with. And so what we see is that's also true for a lot of our yoga teachers or our trainers, or our coaches. You all are comfortable in your area of domain expertise. Like that's your zone. So that's where you naturally gravitate and want to spend your time. The problem is that that's now not your job. Your job is also as a business owner and a business owner cannot spend 90% of her day creating content and creating courses and filming them. Like that is just not what you can do if you want to actually make a living doing this. And so it's, it just requires quite a bit of strict discipline and starting to see yourself as an entrepreneur in addition to the actual profession that you that you are and that you identify with right now you've decided to have a business so in addition to being a health coach or in addition to being a naturopath or in addition to being a yoga teacher you are also an entrepreneur and that is 50 percent of your job so i think you've kind of bled into the third commandment which is thou shalt not spend more than one day per month creating products after your launch focus on selling not refining for the 20th time and i think i think this is this is like as humans we always tend to take the path of least resistance and it's so much easier to fall back on what we know and what we're comfortable with which may be doing a few more pdf workbooks or putting a different program together in a different fashion or creating a couple more videos because we think that addition is going to sell it more when in fact we need to stop creating and start getting on the phone or start focusing our marketing efforts or, or whatever it is you've chosen to, how you're going to market and sell, but you need to focus on that and, and embrace that side of your new identity and start generating some revenue. That's the purpose. And I think people, I don't want to say that they forget that, but they kind of lose that. Like 
what are you doing to start actually making a sale in that $100 course that you just created? You don't need to add more videos. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think that there's a small exception here for our community that are selling a membership. And so I want to asterisk this here just so Mm -hmm. that we are all on the same page. So if you're selling a monthly membership for a yoga studio or a fitness studio or a gym, you obviously need to be putting content in there constantly. However, when you outline your product about page, you're going to identify how often you're uploading new content. And so for many of our clients, it's at least once a week, if you're selling a monthly membership to, to, you know, a fitness program or a yoga program. So obviously please fulfill the terms of your obligation for the people you've sold something to. And that, that just makes sense. But I bet if you were filming one class a week or two classes a week, that would add up to less than eight hours of filming time, right? So like maybe, or 10 hours, like try to figure out how many hours of of content creation time is really needed per month to fulfill the obligation you have to your existing clients and then cap it at that. Like that is what you need to do until you've reached some sort of financial success metric with that existing product. Yeah, that's right. Okay, the fourth one. Um, is thou shalt not spend more than one day per month on content marketing unless content marketing is your one traffic source. So Jenny, do you want to just sort of explain the definition of content marketing? So content marketing is for most people blogging. And for us, it's also podcasting. That's what we're doing right now. It's creating some sort of very brand specific free offering that you're putting out into the world on a regularly scheduled time. So for us, we blog every week and we podcast every week. We've had periods where we only blogged. We've had periods where we podcasted twice a week. So it's a, it's an, for us, it's an evolving concept and we also are breaking this rule. Um, so don't, again, don't listen to us. We're working on streamlining some of our process going forward, but that unless you're the main source of new leads or new students or clients into your business is through blogging or podcasting, then you should make sure that you only spend one day a month on that content creation for the, f- the free content you're creating also. So for some people, I know we have quite a few in our community, but not everyone. It's, it's a really select few that I feel like have a large presence as a blogger, right? So for those of you who are health and fitness bloggers or healthy living bloggers and your blog is your bread and butter and a big part of your business and how you get your audience, then obviously that's, that's your traffic source. But for many of our clients, the blog is, is something that is not a regularly updated entity. It's not something that's a major focus of any of, of most of our clients' business models. So therefore, don't think that you have to blog every week unless your plan is to make that the way that you get new people to find you. Excellent. Okay. I, gu- so- I guess I guess maybe what we should do, Sandy, is talk about alternatives to content marketing for and, and like we're gonna get into this a little bit later, but for most people, there are things like in-person networking that work better than just starting a blog and, and making that your main source of lead generation. There are other things like Facebook ads, there are our Pinterest strategies, like there are a lot of different ways to get new eyeballs on your business online. And so what Clay is saying in this commandment is that unless blogging or podcasting is your major source of getting new people into your business and into your, onto your email list, then that should not be something that you do every day or even every week. It's if you just put a blog up there and hope that someone's going to find it, it's not going to drive 
any sales or any, <laughs> no, you have to tell people it exists on the internet, right? And I think a lot of people think that's why they need to blog is just that that's their, someone will come across it and potentially yeah, and, become a client. And I will just say from experience, because I sort of manage our blog and I will say that the actual writing of the blog is half of the work. Again, half of the work in mm-hmm. the creating of the content and the other half is optimizing everything on the back end of our website for SEO. And that's like a whole other project, right? And so unless you're willing to dive into learning about SEO and plugins and keyword research, like writing a blog for a blog's sake is not very helpful to to most people's businesses. And so I I think you have it has to be connected to a larger strategy. That's all. So it I mean, it's great to have a blog. I actually, I, I think it's a, it's an important way to get to know your community, to see what resonates with them online. There are a lot of wonderful reasons to have a blog. So I don't want to discourage anyone from having a blog uh, if you really feel called to write. However, what, what Clay is saying in this commandment is simply that it only takes one day a month. So in that case, you would set aside a Sunday or a Monday, you know, once a month, like the first Tuesday of the month, whatever, and you write all your blogs for the month on that one day. That's all. Yeah, puts it in perspective a little bit. Okay, and the last one we absolutely love, and I think we need like it printed out in some beautiful poster I think format. Maybe a tattoo. The last. Oh. <laughs> you didn't. Ex- you didn't Clay. expect that. Didn't expect that. <laughs> We're always having tattoo conversations, but yeah, I didn't expect that. So <laughs> let's tell everyone what it is. So the last commandment is, "Thou shalt find beauty in depth rather than breadth." Oh, I yeah. love that. Well, so you and I are both finishing this other book that we've referenced before called Deep Work Mm. that we're going to do a whole podcast on about the the rare commodity that that sort of depth is in our culture and how going forward in our economy, it's sort of the only way you can protect yourself in, in like the new economy is to know something very deeply and be be give yourself time to do very deep thoughtful work and to be able to learn how to do hard things and technical things. Right. So that's a whole other conversation, but, but I think that that's also the key to success online because there are approximately 1 trillion distractions available to you and beeping, flashing sounds and lights at all moments of time that it's really easy to get distracted and to distract yourself from what's important. And the way that you're going to be able to understand what's working in your business, what to do more of, what to scale back on, and to do work that's meaningful to when you are in that content creation process to actually be creating work that matters and that's different, um, you have to give yourself the ability to go deep. And I think so often we're like, we try something, we sort of half-ass something and see if it works. It doesn't work. And then we try something else and we try something else and we try something else. And this person over in this Facebook group said this was working for her. So now I'm going to try this. And that's a really, really bad idea. And I am guilty more than anyone I've ever met of (laughs) having done this. I'm still guilty of it. I actually have, I kid you not, I have a Twitter training window, like a video training open on a browser tab on my computer right now, and like a promoted pins training for Pinterest open in my browser right now. So I am going to close those as soon as we're done recording this and get back to my actual job, which is running our software company. And because because it's really fun to learn, for especially if you, if you like learning and you embrace Sandy like we do this lifelong student mentality, to me, it's like the joy of my life to learn. And so I have to be able to set that aside as a business owner and say, like, not now, not with this. That's not the appropriate. Yeah, I, I think it's a little bit of a mind shift to think about 
let's stay with this one thing. Let's focus on this one thing and let's go really deep with it and all the marketing and traffic sources around it as opposed to going wider and opening that circle to capture more people or make more products or whatever. So I think that, I mean, in his note right below this last commandment is exactly describes Jenny. The wrong way to do things is taking a Pinterest marketing course, an SEO market course, and a pay-per-click marketing course, because you think you have a traffic problem instead to go deep into learning the nuances of how to create results, right? So I don't mean to to call you out, Jenny, because we're I think all of us are guilty of that, right? Like, let's learn more things. Let's add more things. But instead, he's saying, go deeper on what you already know and fine tune it and, you know, go deeper in what you're teaching and what you're offering and just focus on that one thing and do it well. Yeah, it's really hard for me to do it. Like part of, well, we're going to have this whole podcast on how to do it and how to set yourself up for success and how to do this because we're both learning this right now. Mm -hmm. It's it's really, really hard to quiet sort of the chatter all around you that like, this is working for me. This is working for me. This is working for, for me because there are, mm-hmm. you know, thousands of people online trying to sell you programs that are telling you that they have the secret that you need to learn to be successful. Right. So that's part of it. And the other part of it, I think in, in this market, in your market, all of you listening, if you're in the wellness space is that there's also a lot of education, continuing education in your own domains, right? And so in addition to sort of the business chatter, you also need to be willing, I think, to to really consider, do I need to take another continuing education course right now? Is that what's right for my business? Um, So if that is what you need to do for yourself as a human being to feel fulfilled, that's great. You need to do that. Like I... Sandy and I both take all kinds of classes all the time on other topics also. So I feel like a little bit less guilty doing those. Like you're in drawing class at university, Sandy, right? Like, and I do random like quilt making classes with my small (laughs) child and I get something out of coloring book. Yeah, we're making a coloring book right now, but for fun, right? Not because I think I'm going to sell anything. And so to, to me, like if you need to take classes and you need to be learning and reading and growing great for yourself, but don't do it in the guise that that's part of your business because it's it's really, for the most part, you you know enough, you are enough, you have enough. You basically need one one business mentor or one business coach. I feel like there's there are a lot mm-hmm. of choices, that's including a good point. us. Yeah. Pick pick one. Like we all teach our own flavor of it, right? And then and then you need the tools, and we also offer those. <laughs> Friendly plug, right? But like that's it now. And and you have your domain expertise in whatever profession you have that you're trying to bring online. And you need to question at this moment if you're deciding to take on this amazing journey of entrepreneurship. That might fill your cup a little bit right now. And what, you know, do you really need to be doing all those other things, whether or not they're business related? Yeah. At some point, you got to go to work. You got to do the work and make it happen. This podcast is brought to you by the Namastream software platform. Namastream is a tool designed to help you teach, train, and coach from anywhere on the planet. If you're a wellness professional looking to take your business to the next level, you can learn more at namastream.com. Okay, so we, that's the five commandments of, from Clay. And so we had conversation around this earlier and came up with a few extra points that we wanted to add around focusing on one thing. And the first one is to have one quintessential client. 
Yeah, this is big. This is one of the biggest lessons or first big lessons that we teach in the Soulful MBA, which is about how to figure out your quintessential client and how to get yourself to focus on that one person. And other people teach have other words for this. Some people say avatar. Some people say ideal client. There are a lot of different ways of talking about this. And for us, we talk about it as quintessential client, that there is this one perfect person that you're creating your program or service for and around. It does not mean that other people will not buy it. We certainly have a lot of people on our platform who do not look like our quintessential client. And we love all the diversity that we see, right? But we don't market to those people. They just, they happen to find us. Like, for example, we we love, 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 love the men on our platform. And I know we have male listeners because they reach out to us. So to all of you that are men, we love hearing from you. But our you're not our quintessential client. Like, we don't market to you at all. So the fact that you find us is totally amazing and we love it. <laughs> And some of our favorite clients and our most successful clients are men. Um, so that that's a whole other conversation. But we don't we don't run Facebook ads to men. We don't like our colors are not geared towards men. Our imagery for the most part is not geared towards men. Like when we're writing our blog posts, when we're doing these podcasts, when we're creating our graphics, when we're working on our branding, when we're doing almost anything, we are not doing that with this male persona in mind. And so anyway, it does not mean that you can't sell to all kinds of other people and work with all kinds of other people. It just means that you're honing in on the one ideal person that you want to serve so that you can make sure that you have a good picture in your mind of who that person is and what they need at any moment in time so that you're shaping your business around them. And it doesn't mean that you'll serve that person forevermore. It's just at this moment, you have one quintessential client you're focusing on. And as your business grows and evolves, so does your quintessential client. And you will make those adjustments in your copy or in your, you know, whatever videos or content that you're creating. But at this moment, we're asking you to focus on one quintessential client. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's right. And, and I think that you can also have a quintessential client later when you're more advanced in your business. Like you can have a quintessential client for each product, but that's when you're allowed to have more than one product, right? And at this stage of your business, for the most part, almost anyone in our, in our community is at the stage where they should only have one offer. So that means one quintessential client. Okay. And the second one commandment that we came up with is around copywriting. And so there is a very old school kind of rule. It's called the rule of one in copywriting that I thought would be helpful and uh, wanted to share with you. And so this is particular to email marketing. So when you are writing an email to your list, whether it's to promote a particular course or a membership, and sometimes even write in your newsletter, not always, there's a, an exception here, which I'll explain. But the rule of one is that when you write an email, you are going to have one reader so you are writing with that one quintessential client in mind. You're not trying to include everybody in the world to speak to everyone in this one email. You have one reader that you're focusing on. In your email, you also have one message, one main idea, one big idea. You're not writing an email with multiple uh, thoughts or, you know, threads of conversation is one message that you may have a bigger story, but, and then some examples, but it's all focused around one big idea. And then the big one for me that I see that people don't do is that you want to have in this one email, you want to have one call to action. So that is one ask. So you are not asking them to 
you know, click here to get your opt-in and then click here to listen to your podcast and click over here to buy your product. It's just too confusing. You have to make it super simple um, and really obvious of what you're asking your client to do. And so in that email, you want to have one, one call to action. So if, if you do want them to listen to your podcast and buy your product, then that should be two emails. There's two asks there. So make that into two different emails and even to take this a step further, just with that call to action, whether it's a link or a button or whatever, you don't necessarily want to put that call to action in your email until you've sort of stated your main, your main idea, your big idea. So it tends to come towards the end of the, of the email. So that's the rule of one for copywriting. And I will just say that we do not do this with our newsletter. So if you receive our, That's the our Joy and Hustle newsletter, you'll notice that we have like 10 plus links to click to from that newsletter. And the newsletter is sort of our curated magazine and gift to our community every week. It's the way we stay in touch, share what's going on in our company, talk about funny links, funny videos that we saw online and great tools that we discovered to help you succeed in business. In addition to showcasing our weekly blog and podcast episode. So that is not, so if you, if you know us and our brand and you, you may be on our email list, you'll notice that we don't follow any of the rules for that particular for the newsletter. newsletter. And I think that's the, the exception is if you are doing a curated whatever, then you're going to have multiple links and different messages. But but our main message in that newsletter is like, here's all the things that we are doing and loving this week and link, link, link. But mo- for most of you who are writing email marketing, it, it's not going to be a curation. It's going to be a, this is what, here's my story and here's what I'm asking you to do. Yep. And we do recommend that you you think about doing a curated newsletter that that can be a whole other podcast. It's easy, but yeah. It's, yeah, a, it's important. It's important to also be building relationships and trust, um, and communication channels. Opening those channels with your community. So that's a separate conversation. We don't. I I don't want anyone to get the sense from this podcast episode, Sandy, that we are like driven by only one thing, like success means one thing to us. Like our entire vision of business around this digital empire idea is, is much bigger than that. So, you know, just know that today's podcast on one is really about how to be successful, successful in business, but it's, it's not the entirety of what your business should be focused on, right? Like we also believe in service and you mean like, (laughs) let's make $1 million. (laughs) Let's focus on $1 billion. $1 billion. I believe that would make us a unicorn. (laughs) (laughs) Probably not. It has to be $10 billion. Okay. We have one more point and that is around marketing. So I'll let you handle this one, Jenny. Yeah. So this is also going to be a little bit of an exception. So we... We both have learned from Marie Forleo. We've we've done trainings with her and we've learned a little bit about social media. And and I think that there's one in our market, in your market, if you're in the wellness space, one of the things that's the hardest to find, the hardest places to find focus is on social. And we're super guilty of this. We run a, a 40 day social media challenge twice a year that involves posting on all of the social media channels, basically like Pinterest, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. And so 
this is going to violate all of that. <laughs> but but p- part of the reason we run the social media challenge is so that for folks who are newer to social media, it, it would give you a sense, a, a way to discover which platform or platforms work best for you and your business and which ones feel sort of mo- most authentic to you. So, so most people who do the social media challenge are either brand new to social for their business or they're, they've sort of taken a break from it and they're diving back in and wanting to have a, like a methodical way of approaching it. So what I will say is that what we've learned beyond the social media challenge is that it's really best to focus on one or two social media platforms and not to spend your time on social. Social is is one of the biggest ways that I see folks getting distracted. Often the return on investment, the return on the investment for your time is extremely low. So here's what Marie Forleo teaches and that we're going to sort of extrapolate here. She says you should be on the social media platform where your quintessential client is. And so she, I think she uses client avatar or something or ideal client, but we Mm -hmm. say quintessential client. And so you should figure out where they are and that should be the social media platform that you're on. So you should have one. Now, she also says, if you personally really, really love a different one, if, if the one that you love to be on is not the same as your client, your quintessential client, then you can be on two. You know, one is for you, essentially for you to get what you need out of personally. And the other one is the one where your quintessential client is hanging out. And that way you can really learn how to use one well or two well and not focus on the rest. Like this Twitter thing, <laughs> I, I, we have a very tactical reason why we're trying to understand Twitter better, but like neither of us, Sandy, were early adopters of Twitter. I, I always thought it was kind of dumb and like our audience for those of you listening probably are not on Twitter, right? So we don't have a compelling reason to be on Twitter for the most part. And Twitter is actually a little bit confusing. Like it's kind of hard to know intuitively how to use Twitter well. And so it's it's like one of those things, like for many of you, you shouldn't be on Twitter. Like you don't need to be on it, right? Or LinkedIn or, you know, who knows? Like <laughs> there, like almost none of you need to be on LinkedIn, right? So like it just it just makes you start to to realize like how much of a time suck these different social media platforms can be and how to actually learn to use them well as a tool to generate leads for your business is, is challenging, it's tricky. They're all very different. And yeah, so just I, I would echo the advice that Marie Forleo shares and that you choose the platform where your ideal client or quintessential client is hanging out. And then if you really personally love to be on the other ones, like pick your favorite and be on one other one. And that's it. That's uh, depth, not breadth right there. Yeah. Do not need to this be on every single This one is a little bit hard for media. me because I sort of, I feel like I'm a little bit of a junkie. I don't actually like being on social media, but I kind of like learning about it. So it's kind of weird. (laughs) But yeah, but for our clients, the message is just pick the one that you think is best to attract your clients and then just don't feel like you need to be on everything. Yeah, yeah, you don't. You don't. don't. It won't, you won't, you won't get your ROI on it. And so for many of you, many of you, it's, it's Instagram or Facebook or YouTube, I would say. And like, if, if it's not one of those three, you should have a very, very clear, compelling reason why that is your area of focus. Cause in our market, it's Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube are what we see drive the results. So in the wellness space, so. Anyway, if you feel like you have another social platform that works really well for, for you and your business, we'd love to hear it. I mean, I would personally love to know why if you're a massive fan of Twitter and you're finding success in Twitter, like I, I would really love to know what what is like in that secret sauce because I haven't been able to figure it out. 
So tell us, in, tell us in our Facebook group. <laughs> yeah, come into the Facebook group and let us know what you're using. So those are the commandments from Clay, plus a few little Jenny and Sandy commandments thrown in there. So let's move into the joy and hustle. Do you want to talk about the joy? Because you found it. Yeah. So the joy is another podcast episode. So we are incredibly inspired by and love and have loved for years and years, Good Life Project with Jonathan Fields. That's probably my favorite podcast in the history of the earth. And he recently interviewed this woman who had created Luna Bar and like Plum Organics and a number of other companies. And her name is Cheryl O'Laughlin. And the name of that podcast is called Building a Mission Driven Life. And it's really, really powerful. I, it's all, it's hard to describe because I told you, Sandy, I, I listened to it while I was doing mm-hmm. chores this weekend. And I told you you needed to listen to it, but I couldn't exactly articulate why. (laughs) But you just, it's one of those podcasts you just kind of have to listen to if you are drawn to entrepreneurship, but also want to see how how it shapes a life and how, how you create and infuse value and meaning into that journey. I just highly recommend that you take an hour and listen to this or, conversation. Or I, you, I just found it to be so if beautiful. If you don't have an hour, I would say just listen to the first five minutes when she talks. Those first few sentences that she speaks are was just like, oh my God, I we're just yeah. totally loving this woman and we would love to talk to her. And yeah, maybe we can convince oh, her to that come be great. Yeah, she's podcast. she's remarkable, and uh, yeah, just even the first couple sentences that she talks is just amazing. So okay, yeah. so let's move on to the hustle. So the hustle is a book that I read quite a while ago, but I think as any business, any entrepreneur should read this book. Um, it's called Essentialism, it, The Disciplined Pursuit of Less, and uh, it's it's written by Greg McEwen. And it's a really, it's it's a simple and fast read. And it basically is all about what we just talked about here is that focus on one thing and get it done. What is essential in your business? What is essential to you right now? And just sort of slide, you know, everything else aside. Uh, It's it's a simple message, but really one that we need to hear and probably. It's tricky, right? It's tricky to actually implement it. Because you feel like, well, what am I going to give up if I if I stop Twitter making Twitter cards? What am I giving up by doing yeah. that? It's there's like this fear of loss, I think. But I, yeah, I mean, I I also read Essentialism a while ago, and I think it's probably worth even a reread for me at this point. And I I think that many of us who are drawn to entrepreneurship are also sort of impacted by shiny object syndrome and the idea of like more and more and more pretty shiny what's over there it's it's almost like being what is the bird is it a mockingbird that's really drawn mm-hmm. to shiny mm-hmm. objects yeah like I feel like a human mockingbird right and so I, I know that I'm not alone in this <laughs> and so I, I think it's just this really powerful read if you can just sort of sit down and even just skim a few chapters of this book just to sit down and and think through what can I peel away at least temporarily to make space for what I really want in my life and in my business. Yeah. So we recommend that as well. It is so good. Yeah. And we'll have the links of course, to all of this in the show notes. And uh, if you have a moment, if you're enjoying the podcast, we would really appreciate a rating and a review on iTunes. Yeah. That helps get the word out to others about the podcast. We would be eternally grateful. And if you live in the U S or Canada, we cannot see each other's ratings. <laughs> so we'd love, you know, if you're not in the U.S. especially, go please leave a review. And if you are in the U.S., of course, leave a review too. But we want to make sure that as many people around the world can find the podcast as possible so that that they can be served by it. 
Thank you, everyone. Good conversation, Jenny. And we'll see you next week. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Soulful MBA is not just the name of our podcast. It's also the name of our premium business course and community. If you are a wellness entrepreneur who dreams of growing your business online, but you're not clear on your next steps and you wish you had someone to guide you, then we've got something for you. Get Soulful MBA's first syllabus and three free video lessons by heading over to soulful.mba sample. Soulful.